0: Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. We are here for a week 18 review. you. Who thought we'd say that a few years ago? Um, and this week we are joined for the final week of the regular season. We are joined by two guests. Uh, first of all, it is the um, sort of editor, sort of the main guy behind the website you may read called Touchdown NFL um, or the Touchdown. So I am here with Simon Cowell. How are you?
1: Not too bad, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Um, Events today have seemed to have triggered me a little bit. I'm a bit upset by one particular coaching firing. Uh, But apart from that, I'm all good. Um, And our second guest is um, someone I'm actually friends with on my Coat University course. So I am here with um, Seattle Seahawks fan, Jervain. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Andy. Uh, Thanks for having
2: me here. It's been such a pleasure.
0: Oh, no problem at all. No problem at all. Look forward to talking all about Seattle's horrible season.
2: <laughs> it's
0: been terrible. I don't want to talk about it. The floor's yours. Well, we, we will <laughs> later on. <laughs> um and one thing I did I did forgot to mention that. Simon, you are a Chargers
1: fan. Yeah, so uh <laughs> if we could just stick on Gervain's issues for the time, that'd be lovely. <laughs> last last night was well it wasn't worth staying until 5 a.m. for put it that way when you're in work at uh, eight thirty yeah. the next day. Yeah, no Br- brutal. Yeah, brutal.
0: I mean um, obviously you said you're a Chargers fan um, so we do, we do it with every guest find out whenever a new guest is on the pod we'd like to find out certain questions about why you chose a team you did and etc so I'll go to you first Simon what made you a Chargers fan?
1: So I've been watching the NFL since probably 2001, but it took me a good four or five years to choose a team, I was just I just love the sport, I still do to this day to be fair, whilst I am obviously a Chargers fan, I watch absolutely any game anywhere, I'm not one of these people who are solely focused on one team, but I am obviously Chargers, do bleed powder blue. Um, ever since I watched them on a Monday night football game, they were hosting the Indianapolis Colts, and back then Peyton Manning was the quarterback of the Colts, and the Colts were this really big team, I was just learning about the sport, really just getting into it and uh, the plucky Chargers come in in the powder blue uniforms looking the business and Antonio Cromartie intercepts Peyton Manning three times in one game, one behind his head Odell style and then you've got uh, Darren Sproles, like five foot four inches old, Darren Sproles there uh, taking a kickoff return, 99 yards back for a touchdown, that's like this is my team, underdog team all the way. And ever since then I've been a Chargers fan and uh, it's been some tough times and obviously we moved from san diego to los angeles which wasn't best pleased about either mm. but i've st- i've stayed the course and it's a uh, and it's, despite last, yesterday i think it's probably an exciting time to be a chargers fan and uh, the future's bright without doubt, and you
0: actually picked the right quarterback in that draft um <laughs> <laughs> um and Jermaine, uh what made you a seattle fan
2: um i'm a bit younger like um than i would say the two of you so my kind of like knowledge of NFL is a bit different I've been watching NFL since 12 but I've known about it like as young as seven years of age um I picked Seattle, oh, believe it or not just like through Madden I think when I was like 11 I liked the color of the team it was just very nice so I actually started kind of following the team but because of how young I was at the time I wasn't able to actually watch like any of you know the games obviously because you know I've got secondary school that like, next morning um <laughs> but I remember like like when my first games must have been, I think the same season um, we beat. Um, I think it was Green Bay, and we the, the, we had the whole like ref situation, and I think that was that was like my like first proper like you know introduction to like the whole you know kind of American football um, thing. Not not just the team, but kind of like the culture of it as well.
0: And then we'll go to back to you, Jermaine, for the second question we'd like to ask. Um, on a Sunday, typical NFL Sunday, how does it look in your house? Are you a Game Pass man? Are you Red Zone? Are you just Sky Sports NFL? How do you normally watch your NFL on a Sunday? I am normally a Sky Sports man. Um You're the first one, is the first person to say that. Everyone so far has been Red Zone and Game Pass. You're the very first
2: Sky Sports NFL fan, so um, kudos. Uh, I've worked hard to get into this position then. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I've... Um, I've been, it's obviously only just come recently. So um, before then, it would be like, obviously through, it would obviously be through like streaming on like, you know, on my laptop, like we're we're not going to get into the know-how, how how you stream. We we should all know how the streams go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's only come into Sky Sports recently and I've been watching like literally just most, if not like every game since then. Fair enough. And how about you, Simon? Um,
0: How do you normally like to watch your NFL on a Sunday evening?
1: No, On my sofa with a cup of tea. Um, But I'm like Jervain, me, I'm a a purist. I like to watch a game, a full game, really, if I can. Um, Yesterday was an exception, obviously, when you've got so much to keep an eye on. So many games. I did flick over to the red zone on Sky Sports Mix. But yeah, usually I just like to go with whatever Sky brings puts on the table for you really it means you get to see a a lot more spread of games a lot more different teams you know appreciate it for what it is Um, unless of course the Chargers are playing the Chiefs at which point I'll I'll, uh, digress and go away from that but yeah usually just whatever games they've got going on I, I enjoy it I think the UK coverage it's lambasted over here I don't know why really if you compare it to what the Americans get to watch you know Half of our advert breaks are filled with with analysis, with highlights from other games. You don't get that in America. You know we we are blessed to some extent with with the way we our Sundays really fall. I know we have to stay up late if we want to catch all the action. But overall, for me, Sunday nights in front of the TV, what more could you ask for? I'm phenomenal! I really appreciate what 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 kind of coverage we've got over here.
0: Yeah, and I think certainly since the six PM and nine PM games when they have the actual studio there, it's not quite as many adverts. But I think. The only problem I think people get with the 1AM games is that they because there's no studio, they show a lot more adverts and yeah. they do show the exact same adverts. I feel like it's just the same, the exact same routine. They just play it again and again because you always get the same set of adverts depending on time of year it is. You always get the same adverts every year. So yeah, I think maybe that could be something to change. But otherwise, I, I think the UK's got it pretty good. Um now, before we head on to our Week 18 review, there's been a few sackings, a few firings, uh, is what they normally call Black Monday. Um, started early this year with Sunday morning when Vic Fangio was relieved of his duties at Denver Broncos after another disappointing season. And then today we had probably less than we thought, we thought, probably thought more, but the usual ones we expected were gone. So we saw Mike Zimmer uh, fired after many years at, at Minnesota, including a run i got gotten to the NFC Championship game and the Minneapolis Miracle. And then the other one that everyone expected was Matt Nagy finally being lead, uh, of his duties at Chicago Bears. Uh, one that was coming for a few years, um, which is surprising considering his first season he got you know, coach of the year. But ever since then, it just got worse and worse for the Bears and Nagy. And of course, Ryan Pace was also fired as a GM, as was the Vikings GM. But the one that was a biggest shock, certainly to me and a lot of people, actually, Gervain, I was with you today in one of our lectures and you saw the news on your phone and you came off came off your chair and just... An absolute shock. It was the Maui Dolphins firing Brian Flores, a head coach. Now, for me as a Dolphins fan, I was utterly, utterly upset by this because when I first started with Dolphins, it was sort of in terms of properly, it was uh, Joe Philbin was the first head coach I remember and he had a personality of a lamp. He was uh, not inspiring at all. Adam Gaze came in, he was all, apart from his first season, he was pretty much a disaster for us. Same with since then, the Jets. But then Flores came in, a big reputation from the Patriots. You know, came into a horrible situation where we were clearly tanking. We were getting rid of all the players even before he got there, and obviously since then, I think Kenny Stills left under his head coaching stint. Plus uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, obviously as well as like Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, J.J. Dominic Nsou, and so on and so on. And we had a horrible first eight weeks where so we didn't win a game, and then we had an amazing end to the season, five and four down the stretch. Build that up to twenty twenty season, in ten wins they made the playoffs. Out extremely unlucky because most years you get ten wins, you're in, and certainly this year you would we would have got in this year, um, in either conference. And then of course this year can start well when one and seven after winning the first game, um, and then we obviously won eight in a row before losing to the Titans a little, and with beating the Pats on the last day, two winning seasons out of three. I can't remember a Dolphins coaching years getting that sort record two and two and three years. So for me. I think unless he's unless John Harbaugh's going to come, I can't see anyone else who's better than Flores that's available. And I'm, I'm a bit upset because I felt like even though we had that bad start, he, he rallied, he rallied troops, he had a good second after the season, great defensively, offensively. You know, I think the coordinators maybe you could argue were more at fault, but maybe I think it seems like it's more of a sort of power struggle more than anything else. It feels like um there was something going on behind the scenes. I think the, the Sean Watson stuff hasn't helped. I think there definitely were two sides to the argument in the front office and with uh, Flores himself. And then I, I I think that's mainly the problem. And I'm it's, I'm really sad to see it because he's probably been the best head coach I've seen at the Dolphins. And I think that we're gonna to live to regret it. Um what are your guys' thoughts on on these firings, not only for Flores but also the firings of uh, Fangio Nagy and um and Zimmer uh, at least sort of, ones you expected you think were the right calls and is there any others that you feel maybe should get fired or are going to get fired in the next sort of week or so uh, we'll go to you first Simon
1: yeah I mean a bit disappointed for Flores myself as well I think he's a class act isn't he and um, it was definitely the, the shock of the weekend to see his name come up this morning just I was I was I was as gobsmacked as you guys were but um feels like there's a bit, like you said, there's a bit of a clash over Tua there. I think there's some reports coming out that I think Flores might want it to go in a different direction at quarterback. And it's quite possible that the front office, not necessarily just the front office, but I think Chris Greer certainly planted his flag alongside Tua Tagovailoa. He survives. And the idea is now he goes out and finds a head coach you can make to Tagovailoa this viable franchise quarterback. And I think that's very doable, but I, don't, I, I feel it's a shame that Flores has lost his job over that. If that's in, indeed what's happened. Um, it feels like they've lost a good guy, you know. I mean, how you give someone like Adam GaSe a lot, a significantly longer period of time to turn things around in, in a position, you know, as a head coach acro- across his stint, two stints in the FC East, um, compared to someone like Brian Flores is, is mind-boggling to me. But obviously, the, the Dolphins aren't quite sick of losing just yet, so we'll let um, have it for an- another few years. <laughs> um, for Fangio, I think, it was a victim of circumstance. You know, he never had a quarterback to, to lean on in, in Denver, did he? But you know, ultimately, George Payton only came in last year. Fangio was a was a was a John Elway guy, and GMs like to have their own head coach. So, whilst it's a bit unfortunate for Fangio, you know, he never, never had a winning season, nineteen and thirty after three years, probably inevitable to some extent. Um, and Zimmer. Zimmer's got Zimmer. Probably time was up. I I love Mike Zimmer. I don't know what your guys' opinion of Mike Zimmer is. A grouchy old man on the sidelines. It's just one of uh, someone I really enjoy watching. Uh, Doesn't take any messing around. Hates all the kickers if if they dare to miss a kick. You know that kind of that kind of father figure that everyone wants to please, but no no one ever does. You know um, it just seemed a little bit miserable by the end of his tenure in Minnesota. It's probably time for a change. But I do feel a bit sorry for Rick Spielman, who's. Probably one of been the better one on the GMs for the last decade up in Minnesota, and I think he did a good job building that roster. Um, you know, the competitive and Zimmer himself had a phenomenal spell in Minnesota uh, seventy four wins, fifty nine losses, playoffs three times, an NFC Championship game with Case Keenum at quarterback. Less, less we forget. You know, this is a significant uh, period in the in the Vikings' history, and it just, it just I think they've just burned out to some extent. It took Mike Zimmer a long time to get a head coaching job. Uh, he was uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL for a long, long time at Dallas and then at Cincinnati. Um, and it probably was his grouchy, just dis- misdemeanor, just dis- deme- misdemeanor demeanor that uh, meant that he never got a gig. But once he got it, he, he showed he can he can coach. I'm, I'm not sure what the future host was in, but I hope we find it, see him on the sidelines again. I'll let, uh, I don't know what Javain thinks of Matt Nagy, but I'll, I'll let you speak about him because I might start going on a big rant if, if I keep going on about him. Ah, <laughs> uh, my. I mean, I
2: Chicago for me as a franchise is very weird because they just seem to not get anything right when it comes to the defining piece. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had everything kind of in place. It looked like you know a few years back, you know they had they had Nagy and you know he was getting the best out of Mitch Trubisky, and I'm not a fan of Mitch Trubisky at all. I, I think he's very limited as a as a quarterback. I didn't like the I didn't like the kind of social media kind of pariah that kind of went with the kind of firing because everyone kinda of knew his firing was kind of written on the wall like weeks ago. Like, you know, we were hearing, you know, stories about his departure long before, you know, week eighteen. And, you know, if anyone, you know, if anyone is fo- Familiar with kind of the Newcastle United Steve Bruce situation, it kind of gave shades of that, and it was just really just weird how they kind of dealt with it. In my opinion, like um, I felt that they could have done with better. Fair enough, if Nagy's not the guy, he's not the guy to take you forward. But don't put him in the kind of cloud of misery that you put him in. And then if you, and then even if he's not the guy, probably just fire him there and then. I don't think keeping him for another few weeks was going to really do anything. Was it, did you, did you keep him because you believed with him currently now you could have got in, like snuck in through the playoffs or not? I'm not really sure what kind of the plan was there. If you were going to fire Nagy, then, you know, relieve him of his his duties and kind of just basically tell, you know, the league that, look, we're not really in the kind of position that we want to be in right now but it's fine because we're kind of basically going to rebuild, but kind of not rebuild at the same time because you've got Khalil Mack there. You've got several players there that, you know, they are meant to be, you know, at playoff teams. So I wonder like how Chicago is going to be like, you know, next, um, next season with, you know, like, it it was definitely going to be like a whole new era for them because I felt like Nagy era started off you know, very exciting and then, for some reason, it kind of went down in flames, but they didn't need to put it down in flames. They could have just dealt just very quietly, I thought. Yeah, we, we've mentioned...
1: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's quite crazy, isn't
0: it? Yeah, no, I, I think that... Assume, you think that that, that defence they've got, they've got some great pieces. They've got, obviously, Camille Mack, they've got Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson. They've got some good players in that defence, and that's that team should be doing as bad as they are. So I think mention mentioned Zimmer and Flores, two great defensive coaches. It wouldn't shock me if either of them are the new Chicago Bears head coach. I mean, unless they want to, because obviously Adam Robertson's not had a great season on the franchise tag. If they want to keep that defensive identity, I think, um, you know, people like Zimmer and Flores, I could see one of them go into Chicago Bears. But... Um, in terms of the offense, they, they may want to go down the offensive route. Right? They want to make, want to get more of an offensive guy, like Karen Moore, someone has been linked a lot recently. Um, Brian Dable, the Bills' offensive coordinator. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, we mentioned the AFC East before with the Dolphins. In the AFC East in Week 18, they got a win against the Patriots, their third straight in a row against um, Bill Pacek and the Patriots with a 33-24 win. And then the Bills earned their second straight AFC East with a 27-10 win over the New York Jets. Now heading to the AFC North, the AFC North champions, Cincinnati Bengals, lost 21-16 to the Browns, but were without Joe Burrow, who was being rested for the playoffs. And then the Steelers, they made the playoffs after a sequence of results, but they won 16-13 in overtime against Baltimore Ravens to end the Ravens' um, hopes of the playoffs this year. Um, For me, this was a, I think... It was sort of exciting without sort of much exciting plays or sort of, you know, it was won by a field goal. It was a bit of a defensive shootout. Neither callback was really excelling. It was sort of a weird game, but the Steelers are in. Um, and this was as a result of other games we will mention later on. So Big Ben has a chance still to, you know, he has one last game at least. He had a great send-off at Heinz Field in week 17. You know, he, he got the win of the week on his last game, regular season game of his career, which it seems like he's going to retire. And then, obviously, he's got a tough game, but you never know. You never know in the NFL. Um, and in terms of the Ravens, I want to talk about them more, really, to be honest, um, because I don't know what you boys think. They, without doubt, would be in the playoffs if Lamar Jackson had stayed fit. I and mean, the injuries, they had to run it back before, before the season started. They were sort of doomed before the season even began. And then the injuries got worse and worse. And I think... I think without that, Tyler Huntley did a good job. I think he did, he will certainly be someone that will be looked at in terms of starting quarterback roles for next year. But it wasn't enough, sadly. And uh, so I don't know whether you boys agree with this. Do you think that I think the Ravens, if they had everyone fit, they could have been at least in the divisional round, if not higher. The sort of in Harbaugh, the John Harbaugh, they've got a great head coach. You know, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown. Uh, I forgot the guy named J.K. Dobbins was doing well last year before his, in, before his injury in the off season so I think the Ravens will certainly be back next year I think this year a bit like the 49ers last year just down to the injury you just think you know what we can't we can't go we can't really it's not. It's out of our control basically so, um, so yeah I, I think the Ravens will be back and I think they'll be certainly one of the contenders for the AFC North and the AFC in general Um and yeah, do you boys agree? What what are your thoughts on the, both the Ravens and the Steelers? We'll go to you first, Trevin.
2: Uh, I definitely agree with the um, Ravens' take. Um, I mean, I watched them in the first few weeks. I watched them against um, the Chiefs um, early in the year, and they were you know phenomenal to watch. I felt like the Ravens, for me, are kind of when we talk Super Bowl bubble, you know. I think just in terms of the AFC, they're a very strong team and I think the injuries just literally just ruined them this year. Uh, Lamar was playing at an MVP level. Um, I'm a big fan of Mark Andrews, you know, the, the target that they obviously have over there. Um, I think that, you know, it, it, injuries, it's just tough this year because it's. It, I feel like it's been an even more challenging year than last year, in my opinion, because um, I know, you know, players obviously you know, with players were obviously getting hurt, but I felt like this year we've definitely lost more stars. Not because of just the injury, but kind of just you know the silly protocols that we've had going on throughout the you know the the NFL season. For some reason, um, I don't know what you lot think about that. I'm not really too familiar with you know protocols these days. I don't really like reading about that because um, it just messes up kind of just the game for me. But I think just um, the Ravens just need to kind of just, you know, take a take a break. I think, in my opinion, they'll be fine next year if they can all just stay healthy. I think it was just a case of injuries um, this year with the Steelers. Now, this this is going to sound weird because I shouldn't like the Steelers this year, but um, I found it, you know, incredible that they made it through. And that Mike Tomlin, for some reason, um, got you know another you know season out of them. It just shows how great of a coach he is. Um, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer um, when the time comes. And I think they can genuinely upset um, the Chiefs. I, I, I'm not going to go into. I'm not going to go into it now. Obviously, we'll save that for later. But I think the way how their season is going and kind of the story of their season. It makes, sto- it makes a good story. It makes a good storyline for them to go far. I think it's good for the NFL to be honest with you. If the Steelers, you know, go as far as they can, in my in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> um, I I'm just shaking his head. <laughs> no, I, I they they won enough. They don't
0: need any more. They won enough Super Bowls. They don't need any more. <laughs> and it, I, I get it's a good thing for Big Ben, but I think if there were nicer people caught back, I maybe would have a bit more. You know, a, a bit more um, supportive of the Steelers, but I'm not his biggest fan, Big Ben, both on the field and off the field. So, um, well, I, th- I think in the back in the day, he was a very good quarterback, but I think now he's limited. But yeah, I'm not exactly rooting for Big Ben and the Steelers, to be honest.
2: <laughs> I, I, I don't um, I don't blame you on that, really. Um, I'm not a fan of Big Ben off, um, off the field either, but um, on the field, you can't deny that you know, he definitely has talent. It uh, definitely doesn't have it now, but I think he has kind of a good, you know, a good to solid. I would say a solid to good, you know, supporting cast. And I, th- I can never doubt Tomlin just in terms of coaching ability at you know the highest level. He, um, you know, he's one of the he's, he's one of the best to do it in modern era. Certainly, certainly from when I started watching the NFL, you know, he's been right there at the top. But um, just in terms of the two teams. Um, I definitely agree with you. The game, like the game, is the game. It's just very unfair, I guess, for the Ravens and very, you know, lucky for the Steelers. One one team caught a break, the other team didn't really. Yeah, uh, what are your thoughts, Simon,
0: on both teams?
1: I think you're looking at two teams that are excellently uh, well coached. As to Javain's point, you know, Mike Tomlin, 15 seasons in the NFL, never the losing season. is phenomenal start. I don't think any coaching the modern era will ma- match that. This they, We're talking about a sport here that's designed to make to to make to make parity every single season, to make it impossible to create dynasties. Um, and these are two teams that have shown that if you're running well, you can overcome that. You know, the Patriots have done it for God knows how many years. Obviously, it helps that they have one of the greatest coaches in the world, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the world. But that's, I mean, it's front office as well. It's from top down, isn't it? It's a philosophy, it's a culture. Uh, the Steelers have always done things quite family-based organization. You know, they found the quarterback and they rode him basically till the wheels fell off, and that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, but yeah, the, there is some there is some romance to seeing them get into the playoffs, isn't there? With a, a field goal to win it, my wife's a Ravens fan actually, so she wasn't too pleased. But the, the this minor differences the reason why it was so exciting yesterday is because there was a field goal between which one of these two teams went to the playoffs. That was how, and it's the same every year. The AFC you North, know, same every year. I know we've seen the Bengals jumped to the top of that tree season with phenomenal performances and something that's been really entertaining to watch. But every year you're looking at minor differences between the Steelers and the Ravens to determine if one of them goals and one of them doesn't. you know. And to the Ravens' point, obviously, look at those injuries. They were using the sixth and seventh starting quarter, the cornerbacks three weeks ago. Just phenomenal performances to even be in consideration at this stage, I think, from the Ravens. Jim Harbaugh, again, another excellent head coach, someone who proves that Head coaching role isn't about always about finding that next, you know, offensive, bloody c- coordinator who, who who will give you all these yards like the next Mike Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan and Shanahan, the next Sean McVay. He he was a special teams coordinator at the Eagles. Was there John Harbour. Um He's just a guy, a guy bring it up he puts the, the players' hands his coordinate. Look how Greg Roll margin and tries. If you find him getting some interviews this time, especially with a team like the Chicago Bears, for instance, because you know they're looking for someone to develop just Fields, very similar the set to Lamar, you know, a very mobile quarterback, a guy with a long, elongated throwing motion who might need some help with that regard. Greg Butrum could very well be interviewed for the Bears' job. Um, but yeah, I'm just impressed with both these teams now they performed. It was a it was a cagey game. I didn't really watch mo- most of it because uh, my, my mind was elsewhere at this point. But um, yeah, it's classic AFC North, Mr. Good match to finish things off and. I don't, I don't. To be honest, I don't think we're going to see much, <laughs> much more of of, uh, of the Steelers beyond Super Wildcard Weekend. But you know, again, what a story.
0: Yeah, and just to mention, obviously, final word on the two on the two teams. I mean, first of all, Mike Tommy you've got to really praise him. Fact, he's had 15 years, you know, without losing season, season, and he's had some divas. He's had Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Juju Smith-Schuster. He had, he's had got Jace Claypool now, and I think that he's had so many of these of these. Mike Wallace. Mike, yeah, all these all these locker room cancer sort of players and they and he's just excelled and he's managed to get every year guest team ratings. So I think you've got to really praise Mike Tomlin. And for the Ravens, I think the fourth place thing might not be the worst thing in the world because their schedule looks definitely favourable next year as a result. They get to play the Bengals, the Browns, obviously the Steelers, and then they they play Buffalo, Miami, Atlanta, Carolina, Cincinnati and Cleveland again, New England, new, New Orleans, two Ving assistant teams. Who knows will be called back next year for the Saints. They pay the Jets, the Buccaneers, the Broncos, the Jags, and the Giants. So that is on that on paper, a good seven guaranteed wins already. So I think that'll certainly help them, I think, going into next season. I think that maybe it's not the worst thing. A bit like last year, Joe Barrow getting injured probably wasn't the worst thing for the Bengals because um they got they'll see they wouldn't have got if he if he played they wouldn't wouldn't have been bad enough to be in the fifth overall pick and they got Jamar Chase. So I think sometimes injuries aren't always the worst thing in the world. Um, and one thing that you mentioned this season, the Ravens, there were a few records set yesterday in the NFL. Um, so TJ Watt equaled the single season record for sacks in a season with Michael Strahan with 22 and a half. Jalen Waddell broke the most uh, rookie receptions in NFL history for a rookie season with 104. Uh, Devontae Adams recorded 1,553 receiving yards. This is the most in Packers history. We mentioned Mark Andrews. He had the most receptions in Ravens history with 107. Jamar Chase has the most uh, receiving yards in Bengals history with 1,455 yards. Mike Evans, the most underrated receiver in the league, (laughs) now had his eighth straight season with 1,000 receiving yards, the most in NFL history. And finally, Tom Brady, He's now the second quarterback with multiple seasons of 5,000 passing yards. So well done to all those players for um, breaking those records. Now, the Steelers and Ravens were in contention for the playoffs because the Internappers Colts lost 26-11 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. An incredible scoreline, one that stunned everyone in the NFL. Probably the most shocking result of the season, if not last few years. And then the Titans beat the the Texans 28-25. Uh, but going back to the Jags, they have been the ultimate party poopers this year. I mean, they beat the Bills 9-6, which seemed for a long time like it was going to be the one that potentially ha- affected their AFC East Division chances. And then they also beat us in London, a game I hate to refer to because it broke my heart when I was there. And also, they've now beaten the Colts. That stopped them getting to the playoffs and everyone thought it was a almost a guaranteed win. Um, so in terms of this game, I, I, I think... you can't put into words what's happened because they got you know, they, they got number one overall pick for a reason because they've been terrible all year but they've beaten the Colts and the Colts were just not the same on offense Jonathan Taylor was completely just dealt with by the Jaguars it's just how, how bad is that a loss is that for the Colts
1: it's a rough loss it's a big they laid an egg without a doubt about it they got beaten up in the land scrimmage uh, from start to finish of the game and Yes, the, the Jaguars. Obviously, you know we've seen them win so, a couple of games this season where they shouldn't have won. this in, turn it on when it, when when you least expect it. And obviously, Trevor Lawrence had a phenomenal game. Uh, but for a team who's vying for a playoff place, they know they're winning. they, they, win, they win in the ring. in. Essentially, it's already a playoff game. That that is a shocking performance, and it's quite frankly down to the fact that Jonathan Taylor has and his and his form over the last half of the season has has masked what we all know, and that is that Carson Wentz is a bang average quarterback. He just cannot do it consistently in big moments uh, ever since his injury in Philadelphia, you know, whether that changed the course of the direction of his career, I don't know, but he's just not done it the same as, as anyone expected. And you've got a feel for Frank Reich, haven't you? Who came to that job thinking he's got one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL under center in Andrew Luck and he retires within months. Then they move to Jacoby Brissett. Then it's one year rental of Phillip Rivers and now it's Carson Wentz. And that trade is looking pretty bad. For for the Colts, who won't be able to get out of that anytime soon. And the Philadelphia Eagles laughing all the way to the bank with that extra first-round pick they've got off them now, which gives them three in the draft. Um, It's a poor performance. Um, They're going to be... uh, Colts fans... Because if you gave them an opportunity to play one team in Week 18 to to get into the playoffs with a win, you choose a team like the two-win Jacksonville Jaguars. It's that simple. I I think they're going to be extremely disappointed without that that pan out. yeah, and I feel bad for George on Sports because he was on this podcast
0: a few weeks ago where basically I DM'd on Instagram on the Sunday morning or early afternoon each time. Basically, when we're having our Super Bowl preview episode, I want to have a person from both teams. So someone, a fan of the team in the AFC and a fan of the team in the NFC. Uh, by PS, any Bills fans listening, any Chiefs fans listening, do DM at Eurotrips because we do need someone from your from your from your fandom, if you get to Super Bowl, but I remember speaking to George saying that no, if the Colts get there, are you gonna, you know, are you do you want to come on and be the Colts representative? Turns out I gave them the biggest kiss of death. I really have, and I apologise to all Colts fans, um, including Naeem, who is a regular on the on the football podcast we do uh, for for almost jinxing at the Colts' end of season. Um, now, also the Titans. Be then they get number one overall. they get number one overall seed in the AFC for the playoffs. They get a playoff buy and home advantage throughout the whole of the playoffs. Um that could have been the Chiefs if they lost, but they managed to make this game a lot closer than everyone thought. Everyone thought they'd wash the Texans, and it seemed for a while that they would, but in the end, the Texans come back was not enough as the Titans beat them. Uh the Chiefs had the chance to get number one overall seed if the Titans lost, but Titans won, but the Chiefs did win on Saturday night with a 28-24 win over the Denver Broncos in Vic Fangio's last game as a head coach for the Denver Broncos. And then the next game um, is one that Simon, I'm sure, is dreading to talk about. Uh, It's probably one of the best games I've seen in my lifetime. The Raiders beat the Chargers 35-32 in overtime. Uh, I mean, for me, I've always had the best game I've ever watched ever live on TV was Patriots-Eagles, Super Bowl 52. The next best is probably Patriots-Chiefs. Uh, AFC Championship game in 2018 season. But this, this is probably the third best. I, I really think this game had everything. It had, um, first of all, plenty of points, plenty of touchdowns, um, and it had sort of the whole tactical side of things with the timeouts and overtime. And it just there's nothing this game didn't have for me. But the one talking point I, I want to talk about with you guys is um, the fact that Brandon Staley Call a timeout with less than a minute left of the of overtime and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth nailed the commentary after the game they were saying that no one will ever know but did that timeout Brandon Staley called change the whole game plan from the from the Raiders I mean it seemed like they were going for a tie and the fact that that timeout did afford them to have an extra run and that did get them even closer in field goal range on the third down and I'll go to you first, um, Simon. So, first of all, I can't imagine. I mean, at least for me as a Dolphins fan, I had that horrible feeling, but at least we were, we were out of it in the last day. We didn't have that sort of heartbreak that you did. So, that must be... Oh, I, I couldn't imagine what you're going through right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you kind of get used to it being a Chargers fan and it snatching defeat from the jaws of victory is just what we do. Um, so, it's no surprise to me. I, I wasn't particularly confident heading into the game. Uh, but here we are. You know, you could talk about the, Brandon Staley's play calling, his aggressiveness. You can talk about him making that timeout just before, you know, right towards the end of overtime. The sheer fact of the matter is that the Chargers were lucky to be there at that stage in the first place anyway because they were outplayed by the Raiders from start to finish in this game. I think there was a period maybe in uh, 10 minutes of, of the second quarter where the Chargers took the game by the scruff of the neck and inexplicably then let the Raiders back in before halftime, and I thought if we'd put our foot on the throats there, we could have really gone and won the game. But coming back in the second half, it didn't feel right. They were bumbling. It took until the seven minutes left in the game before the Chargers really started stringing things together. Where they caught the game up, we were 15 points behind, and two touchdowns, one with a conversion, dragged themselves back into the game. But even that was unrealistic. I mean, if you look at it, just the amount, the sheer amount of plays that got moved down with flags or third and fourth and ten touchdown. Sorry, like. Tiptoe sideline catches. The only person coming out of this game for the Chargers, really, with any credit, of course, is Justin Herbert, who balled out in what essentially is a playoff game. Absolutely performed really well. Um, but apart from that, yeah, the Chargers were beat, beaten fair and square, I would argue, by the by the Raiders. And if it had gone to a tie, I think we would have been slightly disappointed for the for the Steelers who <laughs> had to witness that up and down cut uh, roller coaster of a game. But you know, for Brandon Staley, he's young, he'll learn. Um, I think it was a mistake, that timeout. I think it did affect the course of the game. Um, reminded me very much of the time when we were at Wimbledon uh, in the press box watching the Dolphins play the Jaguars. And at the end of the game, we saw, uh, we saw Brian Flores take a timeout. Just, and it, it did change, the course, of the uh, direction of the game because me and Ben Rolfe from Pro Football Network, we were sat in the press conference afterwards and we asked Urban Meyer if that, Change your decision-making on what play you're going to go for. It gave him a bit more time. He said, yes, it did. We decided to throw the short pass over the middle, uh, clock the ball and kick the field goal and win the game. And a similar scenario here. Yes. The Raiders were running the football. Yes. They were doing it quite slowly. It seemed they were happy with the tie, but I think always in the back of the mind, they were thinking, "We'll we'll guarantee the tie, but if we can get more, knock out a division, right up at the playoffs. And, Indirectly, get a better play, a more reasonable playoff game, maybe say, because I think they would have been the seventh seed with a tie, mm-hmm. which would have seen them travel to Kansas City, which obviously would probably be considered a slightly harder task than going to Cincinnati, which is what happens when they finished fifth instead. So, um, yeah, I think they were pleased with the win. Um, Staley, yeah, he'll he'll learn this, he'll learn from this. He really will. Um, he's a young he's a young head coach. He won't stop being aggressive. He'll still go for it on fourth down. It's his mantra. But yeah, every, everyone gets better, don't they? Quarterbacks wide receivers, head coaches included. But um, I'll pass it over to Gervain to talk about the Raiders because I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they've overcome some serious adversity this off-season, this season as well. Uh, and they've played really well like the last three weeks. And anybody assuming that was going to be a win for the Chargers was was probably not concentrating on just how well they've been playing.
0: Yeah, and I have to praise, first of all, the Raiders, Derek um, Carle quarterback, but also the interim head coach, Rich Passaccia, because... This is their fourth overtime game this year. They won all four, but they've had, some, they've had some real close games. They've won most of them. I mean, they beat the Ravens in overtime 33 27. They beat us in overtime 31 uh, 28. They did get they beaten by the Chargers and the Chiefs convincingly, the Bengals. But, you know, they, they beat, I think they beat the Cowboys by three points in overtime. They beat Cleveland in the last four games. They beat Cleveland by two, Denver by four, Colts by three, and the Chargers by. By three as well. And then even the games they've lost, most have been sort of whitewashes, but they've had, of course, a close game when they um, lost 23 16 to the Giants and they lost 17 15 to the Washington football team. So for me, I think you have to a lot present. I think this will really help them going into the playoffs and further. That they seem to have a lot of spirit in this in this locker room, despite the, the John Gruden situation, the Henry Ruggs unfortunate incident as well. It's just a huge credit to him. So do you feel that the Raiders, first of all, um, do you think that they should be looking at, because I think personally they should go for someone like, even, at least consider Versace for the, the full-time gig, because I think he's totally proved it in in this last, what, five, six, seven weeks, eight weeks, however long it's been since Gruden left, and I think he I think he certainly deserves a shout to be that contender.
2: Uh, what do you think, Jervain? Oh, I definitely think he um, should get um, at, at least you know, for a, at least for a season, um, or two, just because of, like, I I thought after the Gruen situation, it just it was just going to be a disaster for the Raiders just in terms of how they were just going to finish the year, just you know, with just so much just uncertainty, and yet, you know, under the current you know leadership that they have, and you know, no denying that, um, you know, their coach has been able to just galvanized kind of the locker room. This is definitely a strong locker room now. And the momentum's definitely on their side to, um, you know, I, I'm not saying the Raiders are going to go win the Super Bowl, but, you know, the spirit and the cohesion that these um, that these players have um, collectively will definitely help going into their, you know, playoff game. In terms of the future, the, as long as you keep um, Derek, you know, Derek Carr healthy and the way he's playing, you um, you know the future looks very good the, yeah the future looks very good for them in terms of um in terms of how maybe they can maneuver themselves in the future um you know if if, if you told me how if you know anyone told me how the Raiders were going to do in the future I'll, you'd be a millionaire tomorrow I think because you can never really know with them you know they even going to do really well really bad um this year um I definitely looked at them as a team to watch because I definitely did think that they showed some signs of improvement, but then, you know, the whole situation with, you know, the email just kind of just spun everybody really. It confused everybody. But now, you know, they go into, you know, a game that I, you know, I couldn't believe that they won the way they did, but judging by how they've been this whole season with, um, had been playing um overtime it shouldn't really surprise me shouldn't really surprise anybody. I think if you pl- I think if you you know placed the bet on the Raiders winning in that type of fashion, I think um the odds would have been very low considering that you know they won they won their previous free um three and overtime. Um I do think though that in terms of where they go coaching wise, you know, the coach that they have now is um is one that they should definitely look to probably keep. Because as far as I'm concerned, um, we're looking for playing for him right now. And, you know, why Why fix something that isn't broken? Exactly, exactly. And
0: now we head on to the NFC. In the NFC East, the Cowboys thrashed the Eagles, what seems, team 51-26. <laughs> and the Washington football team beat the New York Giants 22-7. And in the NFC North, the Bears, or sorry, the Vikings beat the Bears 31 17 in the last game for both head coaches involved in this game. And then the Lions beat the Packers 37 uh, 30, which surprised me because half the game Aaron Rodgers was playing. Um, just a quick note on the Lions I think I did a tweet on it yesterday. I think the Lions have the potential to shock the world next season. And I actually. Um, a little disclaimer already. When uh, we do our season predictions next year, our episode, I will put the Lions as my surprise team. And that's setting drastically changes because I do like what Dan Campbell's done. I think he's really, you know, in with a really limited team, you know, not many know my receivers. He's found this, an absolute gem in Amari St. Brown. Uh, they're going to get a good defensive player with number two overall pick. You know, Jared Goff is questionable, but you know he's proved this year that now and again he can do it, albeit not very often. Um, Deontay De- Deontay De- De- DeAndre Swift is a, is proving to be an excellent running back, and I think they're just. I think Dan Campbell's instilled a spirit in that team that they're never out of it, and there's been a lot of games this year where they have been close. So I've really got to praise Lions here um, going into the NFC South. The the Buccaneers um, ended the year with a win with a 41-17 win over the Carolina Panthers uh, and also the, the Orleans Saints now only missed out on the playoffs despite a 30-20 win over the Atlanta Falcons. The reason for this was because the 49ers once again beat the Rams. Shanahan gets another win over Sean McVay with a 27-24 win over the over NFC West rivals and then the Seattle Seahawks beat the Arizona Cardinals 38-30. So now we're heading to the playoffs. Obviously, the playoffs start on Saturday with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals playing the Las Vegas Raiders and the Buffalo Bills playing the New England Patriots in the very early hours of Sunday of Sunday morning. Before Sunday, we see the Buccaneers play the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Before the Chicago Bears um, play the, um, sorry, the Kansas City Chiefs play the Pittsburgh Steelers and also the San, San Francisco 49ers. Play the Dallas Cowboys in Texas before the Monday Night game. See the Rams and Cardinals face off once again. So, in terms of this first game, um, looking at the stats before that, uh, the Bengals passing game is seventh, and the running game is twenty-third. The Bengals the pass defense is twenty-sixth, and the Bengals run defense is fifteenth. Whereas the Raiders passing uh, offense is sixth, the running offense is twenty-eighth, pass defense is thirteenth, and the Ra- and the run defense is nineteenth. So, for me. Judging by these stats, I view this game to be a pass heavy game um, with neither team seemingly able to either run the ball or pa- or stop the pass. Uh, the Raiders have, have, had, have had a tremendous journey, and the fact that Burrow was. Um, I think personally, the fact that they, they've rested Burrow, I think, have a massive impact on this because. Um, Momentum's a massive thing in the NFL. The momentum's massive. And I think you see so many times you saw the the Ravens for years ago. We had number one overall pick, number one overall seed in the AFC. They had a bye the bye week. And then they came back next week and they were not the same. And the Titans knocked them out. Um and obviously in terms of this game, I think. Yes, Chase did play, but Burrow, you know, their first two games in, in with Burrow and Chase, they lost, though. They um they lost to the Bears in week two and they um took the Vikings overtime. I think that the NFL is so much about you know it's about learning your playbook but about learning your offensive schemes it takes a long time to get adjusted to things I think a week off can really affect the team's momentum and I think this this is why I think the Raiders are going to win this game I've gotten down as a 30-24 winners I, I think that the Raiders are in, are in good form they've got the momentum on their side you know they've had the They've had they we mentioned just now they've all the adversity they faced. they seem to really just together. And I think that whilst they probably wouldn't go further than the divisional round, I, I'm backing the Raiders to beat the Bengals 30-24. Um so we'll go to you first, Gervain. What's your predictions for
2: this game? Well, well, I have I have the Bengals actually just winning this. I just think that um you know the, the Raiders um, for them you know they need to, you know they they really need to get physical with, with Burrow. I think with, I think for the Bengals to win, they need to keep Burrow upright. It, it looks like obviously they rested him, so it's good that they've kept him. You know, hundred um, percent. It it'd be very interesting though because this is like Burrow's like first like big game. See how he handles this, just from a just from a pressure point of view. Um, I'd love to see how he handles it all. Um, I really want it to go well for him. I've, I've actually enjoyed Burrow, obviously, since his um, days days at college football. Um, so I have the Bengals kind of um, edging them out just a bit slowly. I do see this game being um, pass heavy, um, but I don't really see I, I don't really see a high scoring game um, that um, Andy suggested. So I'm gonna go with um, I'm I'm gonna go with a seventeen ten win. For the Bengals, um, just enough, um, for them to get through and hopefully break their you know playoff uh their you know the playoff drought that they had that they've that they do have.
0: Yeah, I mean that 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 drought is there. I mean, I think it's nineteen ninety was the last year that they actually won a playoff game. It's been a long time for the Bengals, and I think that you know the other three years in a row or three years and five years where they had um Marvin something the head coach and Andy Dalton just couldn't they three straight years with them, um, you know, making the playoffs and not not winning a game. So I think the Bengals have been one of the most the best stories of the season. I think they've been a team no one thought would even be in the top two in the division, let alone win it, um, with a game left to go. And I think, you know, everyone knows Barrow. I mean, Chase has been exceptional. He's a guarantee, I think, for offensive rookie of the year. And I think they're a team that everyone enjoys watching. They've got exciting sort of well, I don't think Zach Taylor is an amazing head coach. Um they seem to be playing exciting stuff and I, I think the Bengals are someone that I think a lot of neutrals want to do well including myself. Um, Simon, what are your thoughts on this game and what are your predictions as to who will win? Oh,
1: it's going to be a tight one isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, Raiders have done well to get there, the Bengals have done well to get there. Now they're predicted before the start of the season that they would be in the playoffs but here we are. Um, yeah, it's a bit, it is a bit Imagine if the Bengals win the first playoff game under Zach Taylor after, what was it, almost 15 seasons with Marvin Lewis, not being able to break that duck. Uh, he'd be crying over over in Arizona where he's working right now. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for him. But um, I do think the Bengals will come out on top. Um, I think it'll be a balanced offence. These two running games may, might not have impressed across the course of the season, but both of them have got better the last six, seven weeks. We've seen Josh Jacobs, obviously, the last two weeks looking like a guy we saw in, as the rookie. And uh, Mixon as well, of course, for the Bengals, he... He he doesn't seem to start off hot in games, but he, he takes a low once the Bengals have got a lead. So if the Bengals got a lead, this one could be over quite quickly. Um but I'm not sure I'm not sure that's gonna be the case. This, as much as I like the Bengals uh, offense, I don't think they'll be able to just accelerate away from from the Raiders as quickly as they want to. But I still think they'll they'll win by by three points. But um this is the possibly the playoff game I'm looking forward to the most, I think. Because Seeing the Bengals be so successful, like you say, for the neutral has been entertaining, and the Raiders are a, a worthy opponent and give them a good game.
0: And your score prediction?
1: Oh God knows, I didn't know we were doing this. Let's let's just go 24-21 Cincinnati. Fantastic,
0: fantastic. Um, so the next game we'll see is the Bills against the Patriots at 1.50 in the morning UK time. Um, in terms of the passing game, uh, the Bills are ninth, where the Patriots are fourteenth. In terms of the rushing offense, the Bills are sixth. Whereas the Patriots are eighth in terms of the passing defense, the Bills are first and the Patriots are second. So the two best teams are stopping the pass, and then in terms of the, stopping the run, bit bit worse for both teams. Bills are thirteenth, Patriots are twenty second. For me, I think this is an easy win for Buffalo. Um, I know the Patriots have a, have a good year, but they haven't clicked. I think in recent weeks they haven't been. they had that mid season sort of run where they beat the beat the Bills with only what you know two or three yards or two or three um, attempts or something like that. Um, but I think judging by the fact that, you know, both teams seem to be good at stopping the pass. I think we'll see people like Devin Singletary and, um, what was the name there? The Patriots running back, his name was completely lost my mind. Damien um, Harris. Damian Damian Harris. Harris uh, yeah, Davis, I think both of them can have a good games. I think this will be a chance for both teams to sort of establish their own game. I think the Bills can do this through Signatieri or Josh Allen, um, both capable. Uh, whereas I think the offense the Patriots will run purely through Damien Harris. Um, but I think the, B- the Bills have just got, you know, I think the Patriots will, will give them a good game. I think it won't be a one-sided affair. I think it'll be a tight game. Uh, but I see the Bills just purely for just the better roster overall. Um, and the more more depth they've got in terms of it on that defensive line for the Bills Uh, I've got the Bills winning this 27-17 we'll go to you first Simon Uh, what are your thoughts ahead of this game and your predictions?
1: I think that win for Buffalo over New England a couple of weeks ago was crucial mentally for them I think they know they can beat them I think that's the key because I had the Patriots actually going back to the Super Bowl this season. I thought they'd done an, an excellent job in the off season, but I'm going to change my mind here. The way they performed, I know the I know the Buffalo didn't look great against the Jets. I think they might have kind of already had their minds cast to, to playoffs. Uh, the Patriots haven't particularly been good the last two or three weeks either, which is interesting. But yeah, for me, the Buffalo, I think Buffalo Bills know they can beat them. I think they've got the better passing game, the better weapons, and. In a in a tough stadium to go and play in, I think they're gonna play a good amount on top, maybe about two scores, maybe 28-14 for me.
0: 28-14 to the Bills. Um, and then Gervain, is it gonna be a clean sweep? Are you saying the Bills as well?
2: Unfortunately not. I, I'm sorry, I have to go with the I have to go with the Patriots here. And just for the one man and one man alone, it's, it's Bill Berchuk going against Bill Belichick is like lying to God and I do that all the time anyway so it's just like I think with the pitch, I just seem to never count them out even though um, I'm not a Patriots guy by the way I do not I despise that team Um, (laughs) they give me uh, they give me PTSD literally every day of that Malcolm Butler deception Um, will never recover from that never but like I think for me like Especially because I believe uh, we're at Fox, we're at Foxborough, aren't we, for that game? The um, are playing will be it will be in Buffalo, I believe. Uh, even, the division. Even then, e- even then, I just I could just see just the Patriots just going there, just with the fact that they have just this, you know, just this this God of a coach in Belichick, and I just think that yes, um, Matt Jones. This is obviously his first big game as well. A lot of pressure is going to be on him to obviously, you know, um, do the job where it's required of him. I don't think he'll be utilized a lot either, in my opinion. I think, um, the, I think Bill will look at other ways of how to win this game. But I can never doubt the Patriots. And for me, I see this actually as a low-scoring game as well. I think that um, Buffalo. I think Buffalo. For me, um, I love. I love team. Um, they are definitely in the eyes of a neutral just based on the weapons that they have and the callback alone and Josh Allen, great player. Um, I, I just think though that in the, in when it comes to the big games, I can't go against Bill. It's just, it's sinful to do it. So for me, I'm going to go with a, um, I, I've, I'm going to go with a 13-10 in this game. Um, pretty much because I think it's just going to be low scoring. I think they're really going to, um, the Patriots are really going to annoy the Bills and I think they're going to come there and, you know, spoil the pie, I believe. Yeah, I, I think that
0: no one will be shocked if that happens. I think that there's one man you bet on to win a to win a playoff game to the head coaches. As good as Sean McDermott is, the head coach, Bill Barchak is just another level. So, yeah, I, I can't see anything else, but I can see totally why you think that. Um, Buccaneers-Eagles, this is a 6pm game on the Sunday. Um, Looking at the passing offence, the Buccaneers are first when it comes to the passing offence, whereas the Eagles are 25th, whereas the Eagles are first in the rushing game, whereas the Buccaneers are 26th. In terms of the passing defence, the 21st Buccaneers are, whereas the Eagles are 11th. And then the run defence, the Buccaneers are third, and the Eagles are ninth. So for me, Looking at that itself, you know, the Eagles' biggest threat is the run game, and that's gonna be completely, you know, balanced out by the equally good run defense of the Bucks. So then it comes down to passing. I mean, I think I think Nick Siriani's done an excellent job as head coach. I think he should be more considered for the head coach of the year. The fact that everyone like myself thought they'd be one of the worst teams in the league, and they've gone on and won nine or ten games and they've made the playoffs. So I I I think I know they shocked the world when they won the Super Bowl, you know, with Nick Foles as callback. And then a year later, they beat the Bears in the double doink game. But I just can't see anyone but the Bucks. I think, I think they're the most, even with the injuries, I think they're still a great team. And you, a bit like Bill Bearcheck, you can't bet against Tom Brady. And that's why I've got, you know, I think the Eagles will give them a good game. I think... I can't see. There's only one game I've got down here as being a whitewash. I think the games will all be close, and this game's nothing similar. I'm gonna go purely because the fact that, you know, they're missing, they've got Mike Evans, but they're, they're obviously Tony Brown is not there. They've got Godwin. They're gonna allow a lot more people like Ronk and Cameron Bray. And I think they may struggle in their first game, and then they'll slowly, as the games go on, as each round, they'll get better and better. But I think they'll be, be 20 points to 17 in favour of the Buccaneers. I think they'll just do it before then. but feel like last year when they now only beat Washington before going on and beating Breeze and Rogers and Mahomes. So I, I think the Buccaneers will have just enough purely for the fact they've got Tom Brady and an amazing, amazing player, Mike Evans, and a good defence. Um, Jervain, we'll go back to you.
2: What's your prediction for this game? Uh, the, the, this this is a whitewash. We can move on to the next game if, if we if we can. This yeah, that's is fine just- by me. <laughs> that's fine by <fine, laughs> that. Um I think the Bucks, uh, the, the Buccaneers for me, um, great team, in my opinion, the best team in the league. Um obviously, obviously we've had the whole A B situation, which um to, to summarize, I'm not a fan of A B after all of this, not at all. Um but that that's a whole different subject for another day anyway um i do think though the eagles if they are going to win it's it's through it's through this through, through the run game and it's literally going to be match for match that's just going to cancel itself out event it, i think then that will come into you know the passing if the running is just you know it just can't really be if, if it's not going to be in favor of the bucks it probably won't be in favor of the eagles it based on the run, so it will go to the passing, and I just think Brady. Just, I mean, what can what else can we really say? He, he's done it year in, year out in these situations, and I definitely do think it will be like a Washington, uh, a Washington type game, like it was last year, where um they're, they're just a, they're just a little kind of stopgap for them. If if they get past them, then I just see the Bucks just clearing through everybody. Um, I'm gonna go with a. I'm going to go with a 34 17 for this. I think this is just going to be a humiliation. The Eagles will play their part, but they're just filling up the numbers, I believe.
1: And then Simon? I think they're going to crucify him. And I do. I think if yeah, I think the Eagles have had a great season. Absolutely fantastic <laughs> season, considering uh, Nick Siriani, you know, he's done an awesome job, like you say. Just completely getting out, utterly. A bit gone further than expectations, really. But I think the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles is going to have his absolute day with, with Jen Hurts. I think they're going to bring the pressure from every single snap. I think he's, <laughs> going, to, he's going to be tortured. Uh, and I don't think that the Patriots are going to let, uh, let the foot off the gas either. I think it's they've almost got a little bit to prove that they've come out of the whole AB thing, You know, smelling the roses. They absolutely destroyed uh, Carolina last week. And I think it's a similar scenario here. I'd be, I'd be surprised if, if Philadelphia gets double figures in points. I, I'm, I imagine this is going to be something like a 35-6 game. I honestly think it's going to be that comprehensive. Wow.
0: Wow. That's, a, that's some big schools. I think mine
2: maybe looks the media like a lot than it. yours. <laughs> the media for me, just like in terms of don't antagonize the Buccaneers because all this AB drama, I think, has just annoyed them to the point where they're just going to be like, yep, yeah, we're going to take out everybody now. So I didn't have to ask for this, but they made me. Now, you mentioned whitewashes. Uh, oh, no, that's next game
0: long. Um, The Cowboys 49ers. Now, I'm going for a bit of a shock here. I think the 49ers are going to beat the Cowboys. I've got this feeling that I don't know. I think I don't, know whether it's I don't rate McCarthy the head coach. I don't rate his, time, his clock management. I don't know what it is. But I, I think that the 49ers at 9 p.m. on a Sunday – I think they're, they're going to beat them. I think that, you know, I, I've got a big fan of Shanahan. I, I, I like the, the obviously people like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Jimmy G I'm a big sort of apologist for. I just think that, looking at the soft stats, I mean, they're in terms of the defence and the offence, they're, they're 12th on offence passing yards-wise, they're ninth on rushing yards, they're 6th on pass defence and 7th on run defence. And, I just think that the Cowboys are 20th in pass defence and 16th in run defence. So even though people like Trevon Diggs have had an amazing season interception-wise, I don't know. There's something about the Cowboys, I just don't think it look, something doesn't look right to me. Even though they've won 12, 13 games, there's just something that doesn't, even though they've got the amazing offence, they've got obviously C.D. Lamb and obviously Dak Prescott and uh, the the, the offence they've got is obviously Paul Zeke could be an amazing running back tandem. But I just think that, the 49ers, I think, you know, if Jimmy G's having a good day, if he had a bad day, then it's not even a question the Cowboys win. But I just think that there's something about the 49ers recently. I think I think they can do it. So I'm going to go for a close game then. Three points in it. I'm going for 27-24 to the 49ers. Uh, Simon, what are your thoughts on this game and your predictions?
1: This is the one game that if you're looking for an upset, you could probably put your money on it. But I'm still going to go with Dallas just because... I think they're built for this moment. I think this is what they've been they've been looking for. They've had slip-ups in the season, some significant ones as well. Who remembers the Denver game? You know, <laughs> just absolutely laid an egg. But other times they've looked imper- imperious. And I think I think this could be the moment where, you know, they get that win in Dallas. As far as the 49ers are concerned, I don't think you could have asked for a better opponent, could you, really? They've, you know, they've landed in the playoffs <laughs> literally with the last kick of the game. Uh, sneak in there. And um Right to avoid Tampa Bay to avoid the Rams, who obviously you know a division rival, that adds a little spice to it. I think playing the Cowboys, who are vulnerable, but I think that um, someone who's come to the fore really in the last few weeks of the season has given them another edge, especially with Gallup out now. Is um Dal- is Dalton Schultz? I think this uh, tight end. They've really they've really started stringing some good passing games to together across the middle. I think it's a possibly some mistakes last game, didn't they? Uh, for the Rams to try to target Ambry Thomas which every single team's been doing against the 49ers week 49ers secondary but um he stepped up so maybe it's in the middle of the field's where they where they win the game but I'm going to match the score but just edge it to the Cowboys I think 27-24 to the Cowboys.
2: And Oh well um I'm I reckon the 49ers win. I just think that yes, the this, mo- this moment is definitely built for the Cowboys but I just love seeing the Cowboys even mess up the most perfect of perfect of situations. And I think, um, you know, if the do game around the Cowboys can definitely win, if your your how to win a playoff game 101 is definitely harass Jimmy G. Um in, in that game and him alone probably. Um for the 49ers though, I just I just love um I just love their defense and Jimmy can just do st- just enough to um, get the win. So I'm actually going to have the same score prediction as you, Andy. Um, Fantastic. Brilliant. And the next game,
0: obviously Sunday Night Football, 1.15am for us, UK fans. It's the Chiefs against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, this, for me, this is not even need any explanation. Chiefs win this easily. Absolute landslide. Steelers are the worst team. A bit like the Bears last year, the team that got in when no one really thinks were any good. Um, so I'm going for 30 a 30 points to nine win for the Chiefs. I think the Steelers will absolutely stink the place out. I think the Chiefs, even though they've you know they've gone back to their old ways defensively the last couple of weeks have not been as near as good. I think they'll have enough. I think they'll they'll be too strong for the Pittsburgh Steelers and bye-bye Ben. The
2: 30 points to
0: nine.
2: Uh Jervain, what are you thinking for this game? Oh, I mean, first of all, what a good list of games we have. Roger Goodell, take my money. Um I don't know. I would definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna go with the Chiefs win. Although I do think the Steelers early on might put the pressure on the Chiefs, just frustrate the middle. I I have kind of, I have kind of the way how the Chiefs beat the Bills, um, in the uh, AFC Championship game. I have a feeling that it will start like that, where the Chiefs just implode. But they somehow, not somehow. Obviously, they have the talent. They'll come back um, with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think this is going to be definitely a tough watch for both fans. Um, maybe the Chiefs in the first half, Steelers more or less in the, se- in, in the second. It definitely bad by, by for me. Um, I have the score prediction 30-14 to 14 for the Chiefs. And then
0: Simon?
1: I think this comes down to one simple way of looking at it, doesn't it really? Uh, I think the Steelers' defence can cause Patrick Mahomes problems, but not in the same level as this revamped and revitalised Chiefs' defence will cause problems for Ben Roethlisberger and I think that's going to be the difference. I don't think it's going to be a massive scoring game but I think, just similarly to Javain I think the Chiefs will accelerate towards the end but I don't think they'll ever be in trouble so I'm going to go 24-6 to the Chiefs.
0: Fantastic. And then the final game, Monday Night Football Wild Card weekend uh, which is going to be again 1.15am for UK fans. As the NFC West rivalry of the Los Angeles Rams and Arizona Cardinals takes another step. Um, for me, in this game, I think I found this one the hardest to call. Because I think both teams have been excellent this season. You know, Cooper Cup has been amazing, one of the MVP contenders. You know, Kyle Murray was doing really well before the injury. He's come back and started to win games even without DeAndre Hopkins now. Um, I think the excellent passing offence of the Rams is going to be met by the good pass defense of the Cardinals. Looking at the Cardinals, are you know they're, 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 they're the top ten for, for both passing and uh, so they're seventh for passing defense, um, whereas the Rams are fifth for passing offense. So I think it's going to be a good battle in terms of that side of things. And then uh, in terms of the run game, neither team. Obviously, the Cardinals' biggest strength with Murray one of them is on his feet. The Rams are sixth when it comes to run defense. So I think I think it's not going to be the big game everyone thinks, I think it'll be low scoring. I, I've got us down as a 13-10 win for the Rams. I, I just think that, um I think the Rams have sort of, they were so good the first eight, nine weeks and they've sort of been a bit hit and miss, I think the second half of the season. And the Cardinals, you know, they did well with, with Colt McCoy's callback when Mo was injured. They've come back again. They've been inconsistent. So neither team has really gone into this postseason in tremendous form. Uh, they've been winning games, but you know, Odell Beckham has been, really good, much better than I thought um, he'd be when he joined the Rams. So, I think, think, yeah, the Rams will will just have enough to beat the Cardinals. Um, We'll go to Jervain on this one. Who have you
2: got winning this game? Again, great game. Uh, Goodell, I will definitely give you 5,000 once this game is done. Um, I'm going to go with um, the Rams, where we're 16-30, and they have the playmakers on both sides. Um, i think the cardinals um have started really well but for some reason just finished you know just a bit subpar for me whereas the rams it's you know be like you said both teams haven't both teams are entering the game not in the best of form but i think when you have um when you have the better stars and these stars in in the rams team i feel like they definitely have the arrogance to say i'm going to take over the game um Whereas the Cardinals, it's a bit more. I feel, you know, team based, and I, I do think, um, Cliff King, Kingsbury, in terms of, um, game plan, may be exposed here because Sean McVay, um, might see this as a personal challenge in terms of two great, um, two great minds. He's gonna want to prove that you know he's the, you know, the mastermind in the, um in the NFC so I'm going to go with, again a 16-13 to 13 win for the Rams
0: and then finally Simon what's your predictions for this game?
1: Oh, uh, Matthew Stafford's got an interception in him hasn't he? Uh, this, this could be an interesting <laughs> one um, he's been to the playoffs three times with the Lions and never won a game so I think I'm going to give it to the Rams just edge it to him get his first win in the playoffs uh, what well, otherwise is a pretty illustrious career, isn't it, really, for uh, Matthew Stafford? Like like Jervain says, I, th- I do think the Rams have got the talent level at the moment a little bit edgy. We, we still don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back for the playoffs, J.J. Well, I know they've activated him in, in, to a certain extent, but I don't know if they're going to be fit or not to play. And I think that's been the difference in in the um, Cardinals, really, just where they've tailed off a little bit. I know, obviously, AJ Green's come across and done an excellent job in his absence, and they've got other pieces there, and James Conner's running the football as well as any Arizona Cardinals running backs running the football for a while now, so that's looking good. Um, I think it's going to be relatively high scoring. I think it's, to, I think we're looking at maybe a oof, how much should we go here thirty twenty four game. Let's call it 30-24 to the Rams. Keep up to cement his legacy as the only challenger to a quarterback for MVP this season.
0: I think that is the conclusion of our. Week 18 review and wild card preview uh, on your trips across the pod. Uh, but before we before we go, we will just quickly go through our predictions. So both Jervain and Simon went for the Bengals, whereas I went for the Raiders in Buffalo, New England. Both myself and, J- and Simon went for Buffalo, whereas Jervain chose New England. We all went for Tampa Bay and we all went for Kansas City Chiefs in the Buccaneers, Eagles and Chiefs uh, Pittsburgh game. And in Cowboys 49ers, both myself and Jervain went for the 49ers. And for and Simon went Dallas, and we all went the Los Angeles Rams. Now, before we do go, I will give both of you a chance to plug your social media. So I'll give you both a chance just to promote, you know, your Twitter, etc. How you want people to find you online. So we'll go to you first, Simon.
1: Yeah, catch me on Twitter at NFL Draft DraftSci. Draft week, uh, season's coming up, so it's always a good time to follow me. Or you can see our work over at the Touchdown at the Touchdown NFL. Of course, listen to the Collapsing Pocket podcast, which you can find on Twitter at Pocket Crumble.
0: And then, uh, Javain, um, let me get a chance to give your social media to the, to the audience as well.
1: Uh, so
2: for my social media, you can find me on Twitter at um, BJVAN. You can also find um, my LinkedIn, Javan Villa, there as well um i run a blog um called round the Key it's a football blog um taking a took a bit of a break obviously because it's a christmas break but i'm going to be coming back strong with some great content for 2022
0: and these all we put on our tweets anyway when, when you put up the podcast on twitter we will put these that their their mentions their um handles on the post anyway um so yeah that has been the conclusion of the Euro trips across the pod podcast Who will join the Packers and the Titans in the divisional round of the playoff? We'll find out next week. So this has been, my my name's been Andy. This has been Gervain. This has been Simon and Stephen Ross. You're an idiot. We'll see you next week.